Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Our chosen charity partner at Irishman Running Abroad is Jigsaw.ie and on December 19th our next event takes place. It's the Irishman Running Abroad 5K. Come along, do it, jog it, walk it, roly-poly it, sprint it, whoever you are, whatever your journey, whatever level you're at, take part in the Irishman Running Abroad 5K on December 19th and help raise some money for this amazing Irish charity doing incredible things for youth mental health across all communities back home in Ireland. Just go to I donate.ie and search the Irishman Running Abroad Challenge. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan and Sonia Sullivan. Hello, Sonia. Good evening and good morning. Um, <laughs> good, you know, second last week to Christmas, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the, if there's one thing, Sonia, I was thinking about this during the week that you've done for me and lots of our listeners over the last few months of this journey it's uh, aside from, in my case, ridding me of the negative mindset that had me thinking I could never be a runner. It's simplifying the activity, but the vernacular, the language of running itself can still be complicated and impenetrable regardless of what level you're at, whether you know your fartlek from your bonks, your chip time from your doms, your lactate threshold from your toe box ecology. I made that last one up. There's new terms and phrases being created all the time. And that can either leave you with a better understanding of what you're doing or nodding along like a young lad doing his Irish leaving search oral exam, not realising he's been asked a question. So that's why we've gathered a lot of them here together today for Irish athletics icon, Olympic silver medalist and world champion Sonia Sullivan and our coach to walk us through some of them to make sense of them all. Because let's face it, Sonia, it, it can be really confusing. Do you find yourself confused sometimes with all of this or have you never heard a running term that you didn't understand? I probably know most of them now, but there are a few new ones pop up every now and then. And it would be kind of new variations of old terms, you mm. know, and a little bit more detail and more scientific and more, I suppose, kind of, yeah, they're a bit more numbers generated these days. Mm. Whereas I suppose a lot of the terms I would have used down through the years, they'd be general terms that you just accept them. And yeah. you have you might just have your own understanding of them and then you just go with that and yeah. because you don't question what it is and, and you just kind and, of think yeah i've heard that before what is that it, exactly and that's and i guess that's good enough as long as you're not uh, completely in the dark before we dig into it let's talk about your 10k at the weekend i got to see a tiny clip of you crossing the line what was it like you mentioned that it had a really fast start 
It did. It had like it was in Tasmania in a town called Launceston. It's kind of north, but in a bit from the coast. And um, I had to re- refresh myself on the Tasmanian geography, you know, because it's a small island off the south of Australia, mm-hmm. um, just down from Victoria. But, you know, when you say a small island, I used to always imagine it was, you know, like an island off the coast of Ireland. But it's actually bigger than Ireland. Like the population wouldn't be anywhere near as big. But there's a ferry that goes there Mm -hmm. and uh, the spirit of Tasmania. And I've always had this thing about going on it. But it takes 12 hours. (laughs) What? (laughs) So the attraction can wear off very quickly. And, you know, I'm used to going, you know, between England and Ireland for about three hours. That's grand. But 12 hours and, yeah, it's basically a ferry. It's not a cruise ship. Yeah. So we actually flew there on the weekend, which was nice because I was there for less than 24 hours. Yeah, 10 kilometre road race, Launceston Running Festival. And because there had been no races here like anywhere else, all the best athletes in Australia kind of converged on this small town. Hmm. And, yeah, it was a bit of an intimidating lineup now on the start line. And, you know, I was I was included on the start line, on the official start line, only because I had the fastest time <laughs> of anyone who's ever run there. But that fastest time was from 20 years ago. So it was a bit of a historical time. Yeah. I, w- I was hoping they might have given me a 10 minute head start, you know, and then I could have had a bit of fun. But, um, so yeah, who, no, I was, had to who find was next this. to you on the line there? I mean, that 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 must be a great buzz, though, being on the line, even though you're knowing in your head you won't you, you won't be finishing at the same time as these people. Well, that must be a great buzz. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it was just a great buzz to be on the start line of a race and a fun run, you know. And, mm. you know, for me, I'm generally I'm used to being at the front and, you know, you can see the road in front of you. So I suppose the thing that scares me the most these days is that I know I shouldn't be on the front because otherwise I'll start too fast and then it would be a world of pain by the time I get to the end. So I try to slip back a few rows, but then it's quite scary in there because there's still people, you know, you're just in this throng of people. <laughs> and yeah. It's one of the things I've always feared in a road race is, you know, that you're just going to fall down and people are going to run over the top of you. Yeah, and yeah. Something's going to happen. Does that happen? Um, so it does, yeah. Oh, at the highest level it happens. At the, It's happened at the World Championships. You've seen, you know, Kenyan athletes just fall to the ground and everyone runs over them. I think Mo Farah fell down in some race one time. But, you know, there's no callback. You just keep going. And, mm. you know, oftentimes they get back up and get back into it. But it just depends on, you know, that you don't get... It's the trampling of all the people running over you that so, is so the scary there's thing. There's no callback. So so it's not like the Grand National. There's never been a race where they go, whoa, 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 no, 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 no that's not right. Pull it back up. They've never, ever done that. Not that I can think of, no. No, I can definitely remember people falling in, like, good races. And, yeah, no, that's just what happens. And uh, it's just, I suppose it's too hard to call them back. Yeah, so. of course. And it's also yeah. so long <laughs> that it's, it's not going to make <laughs> yeah, a difference. Yeah, there's time to get back up. And, and the thing is, you're more likely, the problem will be, you know, that you've injured yourself or grazed mm. yourself. or And then hopefully the, you know, the, the shock and the adrenaline will get people to jump back up. But... It's probably a fear that a lot of people have, but, um, you know, I would have it now because I know I can't take off as much. And, you know, running 10K, I was like, hold hold the reins back a bit, you know, don't start too fast. And there's just people streaming past you mm. and you're just saying, try not to get in the way. 
but you know it's 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 great to be out on the road and to find your rhythm and you know to cross a finish line was it was quite good fun something that um you know at that level i ha- i haven't done in a while there was a few local races in ireland but you know they were all very low key and small numbers mm. But this was about a thousand people running down the road. So wow. it was. Uh, I mean, even yeah, just from the COVID nineteen perspective, that must have been weird. Uh, like I can't even picture it. I know that if seventeen have had difficulty even watching shows where people get too close to each other, it, it makes you go, oh, "What are they? What are they doing?" There was no talk of that. There was no reference to that. You say it seems to be completely uh, gone. Yeah, I mean, it was really just the the finish line was the only thing that they had to adjust a little bit because they didn't want to encourage or attract crowds of people to come. So they just moved that a little bit. So it wasn't in an area where people would gather. The thing I find (laughs) the strangest is um, going on the plane. And I've been on a few planes now, but and there hasn't been many people on there. But this plane, it was full. You know, there was people literally sitting oh on gosh. top of you. <laughs> to so, yeah, no, that can be, <laughs> yeah, that is a bit strange. Um, mind you, everybody is required to wear a mask when they're on the plane. So they're still doing that. And you have to fill in a few forms and different things like that, just in case something comes up. But I think the only kind of live cases, I suppose you'd call them, in Australia at the moment are in quarantine hotels, people who've come back. And there's not very many, there's a handful. And, you know, they've worked so hard now to get on top of that, Mm. that I suppose they're kind of controlled cases. And, you know, they definitely don't want them escaping like they have in the past. So it's, yeah, it's a different setup here. Completely. There's Um, no other, I mean, apart from New Zealand, I don't think there's any other country has set up a similar system maybe in Hong Kong it might they might be doing something like this I'm very very um, jealous very, and loads of our listeners will be too it, it just sounds but like uh, as I've said to Marion McKeown I think we're closer to the end than we realise even though let's be honest January and February are going to be tough here after uh, you know people not going mad hopefully over Christmas but there's definitely going to be a repercussion for all of this socialising and getting out there and shopping. I am obviously in a very specific situation in that my wife is vulnerable. I've mentioned this before on the show, talked about this a bit on the main show as well. And, um, you know, running has been uh, the saviour for so many of our listeners as well. Just even in the darkness of this, like it absolutely bucketed rain here all weekend like it just seemed like it rained from one end of the weekend to the other and then there was that one hour window in the morning on Sunday when it didn't I got out and did my 50 as you you said minimum 50 you recommended I run on Sunday and maybe this is a good place to start our discussion of terminology because on the Friday, you'd asked me to hold a five minute 20 pace, which I found extremely difficult because I think there's part of me that always just wants to go as fast as I can. And partly that's a Strava anxiety. Uh, I don't know if that's a new term that we can add to the terminology list. Strava anxiety, which would encompass uh, <laughs> anxiety over what people on Strava will think of the numbers about on your run. But I do have this urge to run harder than needs be. And you had specifically said run 520 pace for this duration. I found that extremely hard work, but also because of this Achilles pain that I was having. And it turns out when I put this up on the group that Achilles 
tendonitis is something that a lot of people uh, struggle with. And of course, you get an awful lot of counterintelligence on what to do about it. You got straight in touch and suggested that I do both ice and heat and forget about stretching it and just take care of it from that perspective. But first of all, let's attack that term Achilles tendonitis or tendonitis of all kinds. Like what even is that and why is it such a problem for runners? Maybe let's start there. Well, I suppose you could nearly go back to Greek mythology, couldn't you? And uh, Achilles heel. Mm. Um, It's one of those things that I suppose I always feared it when I was younger because it sounded like it was the worst injury ever. And I, I can't tell the full story now about, I don't know who it was, was held by their Achilles. And when that bit of their body, when their whole body was dipped into whatever it was dipped into, that didn't get coated in the protective, yes. whatever it was. So that was always the weakness. And well, I think the Achilles, it takes a lot of pressure when you're running and particularly when you're running fast, when you're running on your toes, it takes the whole weight of your body every step that you take. Mm. So it is an area that needs to be protected. And once it does get sore, then it's a bit like an alarm bell and a warning. And this is something that, you know, you have to really, I suppose, pay attention to and be aware of and um, what we would call you'd manage it. So, you know, when you have an injury like an Achilles injury, it's not a stress fracture or it's not a sprained ankle. You know, it's something that it's there, but you don't know how bad it is and there's different levels of it. There's, you know, Achilles tendonitis and then there's the Achilles, the sheet can get a bit inflamed. So there's lots of different things that it can be. And, you know, the sooner you can manage it and, you know, get it under control, the better, because it's one of these injuries that you do have to keep it moving to Mm. keep it because it doesn't really do any good to just stop and wait. It's not a a resting injury. It's one of those. I've had a couple of them down through the years and they were definitely the worst injuries that I had. Um, the, I suppose the, the guru or the master of treating them for me anyway was uh, Gerard Hartman in Limerick and his answer to it all. I remember one time I did a scan and this doctor said it was the worst Achilles he'd ever seen. And um, this was in the 90s. So Gerard said to me, well, you can go and have surgery or we can do some less aggressive treatment for a few weeks. And if it's still not fixed, then go have the surgery. But once you have surgery, then you automatically have to take time off and, you know, recover from that. So so I went down the route of the deep friction massage and the ice and heat contrast baths and eccentric exercises. And it was very time consuming and it wasn't an easy time but you know by committing to trying to do everything to get it right then I got the Achilles stronger and better and mm. um, you know have have rarely had any problems with it since uh, touch, well, touch wood. that's amazing <laughs> I mean I was I was absolutely amazed by the difference that the heat and the ice made and obviously I didn't have anything close to what you had but when you mentioned to me deep friction massage I was like that sounds like zero crack is that when you see lads with this metal yoke pressed against the back of their heel and they're they're really digging down deep into it. Am I thinking of the right thing there? I mean, that might be a version of it, but what it actually is, and it's very difficult to do it yourself because mm. it's hard to inflict the pain on yourself, but it's actually getting your Achilles between the fingers of a 
massage therapists and they're really just squeezing it together and really working it hard and yeah it's like towel biting stuff oh god <laughs> towel biting stuff it's, <laughs> it's no fun at all yeah and that is obviously just to increase blood flow in there to help it repair is that right and that is the thing is that it has a reduced very low blood flow you know to get the blood in there to repair and to heal the injury and it's normally like a slight tear that you're trying to heal and you really just need to get the good oxygenated blood in there to mm. repair the injury and so in order to do that then you have to cause some trauma to attract the blood in there and to get the healing process started and that's why the the hot and cold the contrast so the the blood vessels are contracting and opening up and by the different um i suppose you know the what would you say, <laughs> the different levels of flow of the blood going in there, then it, it tracks more in there. Mm. Well, that's a, so that's the... Yeah, that's not, the not using the very technical medical terms. So. <laughs> yeah, but that's again, you know, one of the great things about these chats is that we don't, we're, we're trying not to get bogged down in it. As I say, the simplification of all of this is is kind of the bedrock of how I've gotten to where I am and how this show has worked. So it is it is great. One of the funniest terms that you, you see on Strava and a lot of places is a fartlek, uh, which which I've just kind of cast aside as one of those terms that I'm never going to understand. What is a <laughs> fartlek, Sonia Sullivan? Tell us and explain it once and for all. And where does it come from? Well, a fartlek training session, that comes from Sweden. It's a Swedish term. And it's, um, I suppose, the, the direct translation is speed play. And basically, you're just alternating different amounts of running fast and running slow. And, you know, it, it, it would have started off with somebody standing in a field and blowing a whistle. And the athletes would run fast when the whistle was blown. And then they would stop when the whistle was stopped. And they might not know how long they're running fast for, but they just keep going until they hear the whistle again. And that's a tough way to do it. Nowadays, people can put little timers into their watch and there's a few different versions of it you can do. You can do a long fartlek, which would contain things like three minute and two minute efforts. And then you'd have a short fartlek, which would have one minute and 30 second intervals. And um, so generally you go a bit faster as the time that you're running gets shorter but the recovery time is often the same as the fast time okay so is so that very, what makes it different from intervals yes yeah, so the thing is the jogging in between is not really slowing down so you're still ah. going at a steady pace when you're when you're jogging so it's called a float is another term for you there now so <laughs> so you're not it's not intervals with a walk and a jog but this is intervals with a float so you run the hard effort and then you keep running at a steady pace and then okay. you go again and so you kind of maintain a good rhythm rather than so then you're not in the fast bits you're not going as fast as you can more likely going 80 to 90 percent and um, then the recovery is kind of a steady slow so it just gets you used to running fast and then keep running and um you know not needing extra rest because everybody can run fast and then stop and take a load of rest but to continue with some steady jogging in between which would be maybe your easy run pace maybe a little bit slower but definitely not close to walking pace which it can be when you're doing a proper interval session on the track or if you're doing hill reps or anything like that 
You know, uh, I said that earlier that holding that 520 pace was really hard work. I found that re- I found it really taxing just mentally as well to to kind of steady it off there. And then I looked it up. I was like, well, why is she making me do this? Sometimes I wish I had that mentality when I was a bit younger playing sport, that if I had the ability to look into, well, what's the purpose of this? Like, what's the reason behind this? You have a better mindset doing it. But obviously the reason you were saying it was to, uh, you know, increase fitness, right? That this is this is really good for your fitness. I think I referred to them as junk miles for that reason on uh, Strava. But that's a term that I hear thrown around a bit and then debated a bit. It seems to be a hotly debated issue, this junk miles concept. Can you maybe explain to us what junk miles are and why there is a belief that they will increase fitness greatly? Well, I mean, junk miles can be good and bad, depending on why you're doing them. Like, oftentimes people say, how many miles a week are you running or how many kilometers a week are you running? And so then you have to add on these extra miles and kilometers to make sure that you get to that grand total Hmm. at the end of the week. So sometimes you're doing these extra miles because you want to have that nice number at the end of the week. But they also help in that they're... they're making you warm up and warm down a little bit more. You might tag on an extra two kilometers on a easy run during the week. And then it all adds up at the end of the week. You have that extra 10 kilometers that you needed to make 100K or 100 miles, uh, as you know it can be sometimes. So there are but essentially kilometers that aren't run for any specific purpose. Not a specific purpose, but as long as they're not making you tired, then, you know, all running is good for you. So... The more running you do, the better, as long as it's not wearing you out. Mm. And, you know, there are times when if you're training hard, you're doing a lot of hard sessions, you're running races, that you do have to cut these extra runs out because you don't really need it. And I suppose it would be for elite runners, which is another one of those terms in there, the athletes at the high end, they generally would train twice a day. So they would do, you know, a session in the morning and an easy run in the night or the opposite way around. Uh, Some days they might do an easy 10 mile in the morning and another easy five in the evening. And this is all just to increase the mileage and the aerobic capacities. You're building up the aerobic capacity. And and depending on the type of athlete, this definitely suits some people more than others. Um, Others don't need to do it. They, They burn on energy different ways, maybe doing some you know, specific exercises, drills, just different weights, even in the gym, you know, so depending on your event that you'd be preparing for. So if you're more a 1500, 800 meter runner, you probably wouldn't run so many junk miles, as we'll Mm. call them, or easy runs. Whereas if you're running the five and 10,000 meters, then you're more likely to run those extra runs. See, uh, we really are digging into some of the stuff that I found a bit confusing and I feel like I'm not the only one based on the comments that we're getting on this topic in the group that this division between intervals, fartlek, strides and I don't know, threshold runs that like so it's kind of sometimes it's like, well, what's the difference between it? any of it you can get so I get so uh, mixed up or have and this is this is making a lot more sense of it maybe explain then what strides are specifically because again that's a term that I've probably heard since I was 14 years old growing up in Newbridge people 
doing strides and I was like, what, what the, what the fuck is that? Like, I really was like, I didn't know, is that skipping? Is that high knees? I didn't know what it was. And then somebody pointed out somebody was doing strides and I was like, it just looks like he's running. (laughs) I don't know what he's doing. (laughs) Would you explain once and for all what a stride is and how, how we might do one and what benefits they offer? Yeah, there, there's a couple of uses for strides. I suppose the most obvious one is as part of your warm up. So you might go for an easy jog and then before you get into a session of some kind, you do three or four strides. So I would do Are four strides. Are you in a birdcage at the moment, Sonia? I have to reference this. <laughs> this is being recorded from Sonia's aviary. <laughs> there's a new bird that got on the scene there. I was like... <laughs> The other lad was a squawker, but now you've got a little bird on your hand now, do you? I was wondering if you were picking up on that. Yeah, they're they're probably coming out here now as the sun is setting. Crazy. You're in the jungle, essentially. But yeah, keep going on the strides. We had to mention it because the listeners would have picked up on it themselves. Go ahead. So they're a method of just part of the warm up and... um, you know, so you just do, I would do four times 20 seconds. I've, I've taken this tr- to timing them now <laughs> for mm. some reason. I don't know. Why. But it'd be four times 100 meters. You know, you just do a stride up the track and then you stop and you walk and you wait about, you know, 30, 40 seconds and then you come back down again. So you're what you're doing is you're running faster than you have been running in the warm up jog and you're probably running faster than you will in the session. So you're just kind of, I suppose you're waking up the muscles, the fast twitch fibers to get them ready to be ready to start running fast on the track. And I used to often think, why do I do these fast? Because, you know, if I do strides, I look like I'm, you know, same bolt running down the road. You know, your arms, everything, like your arms are going nice and even and you're picking your knees up. And I used to think, you know, before a marathon, why am I doing these really fast strides? But what it does, it just means that when you start off, then it feels really easy. Okay. So you've kind of you've woken up the faster twitch muscles, and you're. It's all about maybe a bit of adrenaline goes through you when you do that, and it just kind of blows out the cobwebs a little bit. Mm. And the, the other really useful thing for them is to increase your cadence, as we were talking about last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another and word I have on my list here. Yeah. Yeah, and not to, you know, get bogged down in your slow runs. So if you're out there for a 30 or 40 minute easy run, then you might throw in four times 20 seconds in the middle of it somewhere. So you do 20 seconds, jog a bit, another 20 seconds, jog a bit. And it just kind of changes up the run a little bit. Mm. And you actually find then that the second part of your run, once you've recovered from doing the strides, it feels quite easy. And, you know, then you can refer back to what we were talking about last week picking up it kind of gets you to it changes the way you run and the kind of it's a more positive momentum that you get when you when you increase the pace and you pick your feet up better you move your arms a bit better and you just pay a bit more attention to the form that you're running at when you run around on an easy run you head out the door i'm going for an easy run it can be a bit of a lazy run and you're just kind of you know plodding along but if you throw in a few of these strides, it doesn't take anything away from the easy run, but it can add 
a bit extra to your run. Well, and, I, do, um, I do need to reference last week's show because the response that last week's episode on we were looking at form and the kind of dynamics of how people run. And one of the piece of advice you gave was to run as if you're being pulled up in the air by your pants. And I gave it, <laughs> I gave it a go. The wedgie form, I think we call it. <laughs> and, uh, That's it, exactly it. <laughs> it was extraordinary. It was it was crazy. And all we got then across the group was other people uh, who adopted some of the tips that you gave, such as just focus on the words, pick up your feet and uh, like it is, it was a sensational episode and it was amazing to see it have that uh, kind of impact immediately on all of our members. Uh, in case you aren't a member, I'm sure you are by now if you're listening to this, strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman running abroad to get even more behind and deeper into these things. And as I said, if Sonia's around, she'll sometimes answer your question. But we didn't cover that word cadence fully, I felt last week. It is essentially just how many steps you run in a minute. Is that right? It is. And um, some people have a faster cadence than others. So they take more steps. Right. And some people take longer steps. Um, And it seems to be that if you can take more steps, it's a bit like spinning on a bike. So you're kind of your your turnover is much quicker. Mm. You know, if you can hold that for a long time, then you're probably going to be able to run that bit more efficiently. Because when you take big, long steps, you can kind of find yourself being stuck on the ground for a bit longer. Mm. And so you pause every time you land because then the, the leg that's behind has to catch up and go again. So that's another thing, as well as picking up your feet to focus on trying to take smaller steps and see how long you can do that for. Yeah. Um, um, and it doesn't matter, you know, how tall you are. People always say, oh, you're really tall. You have a great big stride. But it's not good to always have a great big stride. You know, mm. I think when you're, you know, you get going and you start sprinting, then, you know, you, you just go back to naturally what you can do. And that may be a longer stride. But there are certain times when if you think about doing a shorter, faster stride, then the energy that you use will be a lot less. Well, let's uh, let's try and lash through a few because there's obviously a few that don't need as big an explanation. Let's go for LSD. Like, what what does that stand for? <laughs> first of all, I, I know it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I know it doesn't stand for what we think it stands for. If you if you title your Strava run that, you get all sorts of comments on there. Especially they'd be wondering where you're actually running. <laughs> <laughs> part of the city you might be running around uh, so yeah I, I remember that from very early days on my my coach Sean Kennedy and Cove that was on the training program he used to send me LSD and at the time I didn't know what LSD was in its you know ulterior <laughs> words um, long slow distance is what that is so you know it's you can go like my coach in London Alan Story he used to say to me after a, a week of hard training he'd say Go, you know, as slow as you like for, you know, and as as long as you like as well. But, you know, he knew I wouldn't go. <laughs> I wouldn't go too long, but because um, you'd have your set routes and distances that you'd go on a Sunday. Um, but, you know, the thing was to go as slow as you like and to just absorb the hard training that mm-hmm. you had done throughout the week and, and just recover. Um, so it really is just allowing your body to recover. And, you know, it's a bit like the horses out there grazing in the field 
you know, between training sessions before they go for the the, the horse racing that you're you're just kind of passing time, but you're doing something hmm. that it may not seem like it's helping you that much, but it's probably doing a lot more for you than if you go out there and you try and fly around on your long run. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's great to hear you explain this because you have written as long as you like, <laughs> as slow as you like on my uh, training program, which again is shared in the group every week. And I, I've never really understood what that's about uh, as such that, you know, I could go super slow and go forever. But I hear I hear it now and I understand that some of what we're doing here and the training that you've given me you know, some of it is actually just taking it in in your own head as well as your body that this is what's happened and this is the step that we've taken because, you know, the progress has been insane. As I say to everybody all the time, I couldn't run around the block before we started this. And here we are in December, a week out from our 5K event and uh, uh, honestly never been fitter, never run as far in my whole life. And now I'm I'm wondering as I sit down to talk to you, what is a negative split? <laughs> a sentence I never, <laughs> I never thought I would say. I, I, I didn't know any of these words, but a negative split seems to come up again and again. And I see it places and then you can't stop seeing it. What is a negative <laughs> split, Sonia? <laughs> well, I definitely did a negative split <laughs> my 10K on the weekend. So a negative split is when you do the first half of the race slower than the second half or you do the second half of the race faster I suppose would be the more positive way of looking at it so you start off at a steady pace and you come back faster so gotcha. oftentimes if you start off too fast then you struggle to finish and to come back strong and so a negative split really is to finish strong it's funny I, I gave this to my cousin there to run he likes to do the park runs in Brisbane they're back up there so I explained to him, I said, why don't you start off the first half of the 5K, you know, just a steady pace and then finish it up strong and, you know, negative split. And he was like, oh, so that's what that means. <laughs> yeah, it and comes up so It's amazing much. how good you can feel. Like if you mm. do it in an event, then you'll find that you're passing people the second half of the event because most people start too fast mm. and they'd be struggling. Like there was on the weekend in the 10K, it was gas. There was one fella running and he had the same color singlet on as me. I had a green singlet and he had a green singlet. And he's passed me in the first like 400 meters and he goes, ah, I got you early. And um, we came up to 8K and I see this green singlet in front of me. <laughs> like a red rag, red rag to a bull, you know. <laughs> and I go past him and I say, ah, I got you late. <laughs> I mean, that obviously doesn't go away, Sonia. That's still in you, right? The the competitive the competitive drive. Uh, it when it you... is, but it's a, it's a bit of a game now, you know. Yeah. It's not, I don't take myself too seriously. And, you know, it's a bit of fun. And I think when you see something lighthearted like that, it just makes you laugh. And then, you know, when you laugh, you actually feel better about everything that you're doing. Uh, yeah, and you, you yeah. get this kind of extra boost of energy. A hundred percent. And I even have found that, that like some days I'll put the head down. I remember I was going to have a topic on here with you of uh, well, what's wrong with the runners that don't say hello to me when I say hello to them. 
<laughs> I thought that's a decent topic to put on the podcast, just even for five minutes. Like, what's the matter with these people? Like, I, sometimes I just thought, is that an English thing that like I don't want to disturb <laughs> anybody near me? Uh, <laughs> I think I thought we had this discussion, but I must have had that discussion with somebody else yeah. in an interview. And um, I, I, I always go out of my way to say good morning. And me too. Hello, everybody. And uh you know, you, you try and get a reaction. <laughs> yeah. And also, I really feel that it, imp- like you said, by laughing, that sometimes I'll be on the run. I'll be like, just smile, Jar, and this is going to feel easier. Just actually put a smile and the facial feedback of your face going to a place that it usually is happy <laughs> will feed will feed your body in, in some way. Like I even find myself thinking mad stuff like if we we've covered mindset a lot on this, but just mad thoughts that come into your head when you're out there. Like uh, if I just thought to myself that there's more juice in my legs than I realize, or even just the mantra that you're stronger than you know, that these these things have an impact. And in fact, what we're doing here today, going through these few bits and pieces, uh, it does all contribute to just a headspace of being competent behind the wheel of your body that is I, I, well I know what I'm up to here and that's part of the reason why learning these these terms are worth it and we're probably going to come across other ones that, that aren't covered in today's episode please ping them into the group underneath the category that we've we've put up uh, one term you put on your list was plyometrics now I know a bit about plyometrics but ex- before I get to that explain to people what plyometrics is and why it keeps getting brought up well, plyometrics are just dynamic exercises and, you know, they I suppose di- plyometrics as I know them would be on the low level of, of extreme. Like mm. I think sprinters and jumpers would do a lot more aggressive plyometrics than anything I would do. You know, mine would be included in the category of the drills of the high knees and the butt kicks and hops and skips, uh, not with a rope that we were talking about <laughs> before yeah, took the wrong end of the and stick there the, yeah go ahead and then the the bounds that's my my big i suppose plyometric activity that i do is bounding and i love to do it it's 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 a great it's a great fun one to do you do this big giant stride and you kind of like hop off the ground as soon as you land hmm. but it's one of those where you have to get the first step right because you have to get in the rhythm of it and kind of you know it's like a bit of a dance you have to get the first step right and then it flows mm. and then you get it but it's one of those where it takes high energy because you really have to try and get yourself as high off the ground as you can and as kind of long a step as you can take and so to do these it's a really good idea to do it on a soft surface on the grass and not on the road and footpaths because the impact when you land can be quite jarring on the body so it's definitely good to do it. It, it is dangerous it, it, stuff. It, it has to be it said. Is. And, and yeah, some of this stuff, it should really be done under Supervision. guidance. Some, yeah. Somebody watching you and, you know, pointing out if you're doing the right thing or not. You know, I, w- I definitely wouldn't be an expert on plyometrics. I know mm. a lot of you can do box jumps and things like that in the gym. And I suppose if people are doing that in the winter, if they can get someone to show them how to do that, they're really good dynamic exercises as well and step ups to do you know fast step ups and 
things like that. They can really help to get the the glutes and the hamstrings and the quads all activating and um, helping to you know get your muscles stronger so that you can actually carry yourself better. There is a ton of stuff out there on plyometrics. I just realize it now that I just do a quick Google while you're saying that. And I mean, there's plyometric programs that you can buy. And as you say, usually these are focused on uh, sprinters and jumpers because it is all about, as you mentioned earlier, fast twitch muscle fibers, which is, again, you know, another term. But it's 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 a pretty simple one that when you're when you're springing off the ground, you're using your fast twitch muscle fibers. And when you're just jogging along the bigger, slower moving muscle fibers that fire a bit slower, the slow twitch muscle fibers. And the only reason I know anything about this, Sonia, and it probably is one of the few things that I actually do know about, is because when I was 14 years old playing basketball in Kildare, like every fella and girl playing it, I was obsessed with dunking the basketball and getting to a point where I might be able to do a slam dunk. And I mean... You know, it's the grail at the time. Like I probably could have spent way more time working on my dribbling, shooting and passing. But this is what everybody wanted to do. And I got into plyometrics so much so that my brother in America sent me over a pair of platform shoes. Now, this is an embarrassing story I'm about to tell because <laughs> <laughs> these shoes, you can look them up. They're called jump soles. They strap on to your 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 feet and they look like moon boots without a heel. So they just are on the ball of your foot, but they weigh about a kilogram each and they strap on. You tighten these things on with Velcro and you do all of those exercises that you're describing, bounding, jumping off a box, springing back up into the air immediately. Like some of the exercises were like frog jumps just seemed like forever. My father did say to me, Jarlath, you look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> that was the only time my father has ever said that to me in my life. <laughs> because the neighbours were commenting on it and stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the happy end of the story was that uh, I did. I, I, it actually worked. I, I actually was able to dunk a basketball. <laughs> I did. Yeah, could do it by the end of the summer. And... Um, like, I do think that if if people are listening to this and they're like, well, I do want to get you know, I'm more into sprinting and I, I'm or somebody is into high jump or long jump. It just, it just is. It is insane. The difference that plyometrics can make even to a 14 year old <laughs> skinny, skinny <laughs> lad in Kildare trying to dunk a basketball on his local hoop. But uh, yeah, I probably did look like a fucking Egypt. But, uh, you know, you need your father to say those things <laughs> Every now and then, well, yeah. I I know when I used to go and do my drills, and you know my my version of plyometrics down the side of the field in Cove at the Cove Vocational School, and I remember that the boys would be playing soccer in the middle of the field, and my brother was there one yeah. night, and I here was I doing all the hopping and skipping and jumping down the side, and then when he comes, oh, what were you doing over there? <laughs> Because you do, you look like a lunatic when you're doing this stuff. <laughs> what were you doing? But you just, it's one of those things where you just have to put the blinkers on and you just can, you have mm. to pretend that there's no one else around. There's Absolutely. no one watching you. Yeah. Uh, final final one. Let's cover this this one because this is again one that comes up. I, I, I found a great phrase. Uh, I'll just, as a side note, I found a great phrase, a uh, term that I didn't even know existed in running and that's for a Clydesdale runner 
who I probably <laughs> uh, would be classed as at different points in my life when I had more weight on me. But if you're a bigger lad, a bigger unit, as they say in the GA, running and navigating that kind of weight, if you're a, a you know, a keen Healy type uh, runner that uh, Clydesdale <laughs> needs to approach running a little bit differently, probably not doing many box jumps or uh, plyometrics. But it, that's a whole other area that you can look into yourselves. But this thing of pronation with the heel and all of this, you know, the impact, the strike zone. Can you talk to us a little bit about what pronation actually is, what the opposite of pronation is and whether insoles can help because I picked up a pair over the weekend because I read somewhere give this a go pick up the best ones you can get that will land your heel where it needs to what can you tell us about all this Sonia? Well I suppose the pronation I suppose there's a couple of places you can go now to investigate this the number one would be a podiatrist he'll tell you all about it and the other place is in a specialty shoe tie shoe shop Um, When you go to buy a pair of shoes, they'll be able to tell you if you pronate in or you pronate out. And it's the way that your foot falls when you land. And, you know, they will also look at how high your arch is and how this will affect you. And because every step you take carries the weight of your body, depending which way you land, can depend on, you know, where that stress goes to when you land. And, you know, if there's certain parts of your feet that are taking more pressure than others, then, you know, it could cause you a bit of trouble or a bit of strife if you don't have any support to to hold your foot in place. Now, there's two kind of schools of thought here. There's the ones who go down the orthotic and insole route. And then there's the more new age people who say, well, you should train your foot to be able to get stronger and to be able to you know, work with what you've got. And so you can do a lot of foot exercises specifically for your foot. Things like if you were to sit in a chair, one of the classic ones is to get a towel and get your toes to pull the towel in towards you. And so it just strengthens up the little small intrinsic muscles in your feet and strengthens them up. And if you can build up enough support yourself, you have to be really diligent and what's the word disciplined to do this because they are very boring slow exercises so that you don't on. see do you the results. How you hold the towel? Like, um, what do you mean? You you wrap the towel? How how are we holding the towel? No, no. So the towel is flat on the ground. Oh, okay. And you you're sitting in the chair, and you grab the towel with your toes and you pull the towel towards you. So you're kind of you're scrunching the towel in. Ah. So you're pulling it in. And as you get better at doing this, you can put a little weight on the end of the towel, like a can of beans or a packet of sugar or something. And then you have to pull even harder. So that's just one basic exercise that you can do easily at home in the kitchen. Mm. And then there's a whole load of exercises that you can do to strengthen all around your ankles and your feet joints using therabands, which are those rubber bands that you can buy, that you can Well, you get them from the physio is probably best because then they'll give you the exercises to do as well. And they come in different strengths. So different colors, different strengths. And you're kind of inverting your feet and doing the other way, (laughs) rotating your foot back in. And Mm. there's just so many different exercises that you can do that if you were to talk to someone about this, 
they could help you to build stronger feet so that you wouldn't need any special insoles. Because okay. um, the problem is, and I know, I know this because I have orthotics, is that once you go down the orthotic route, it's very difficult to get rid of them. Like oh, you become okay. dependent, you become dependent on them. They become a support in your shoe and it's very difficult to, you know, then go for a run without them. And, you know, it's, you know, just walking in your bare feet can help to build up the strength in your feet and um, help you to be a better runner. And then you have more choice of shoes as well when, you know, you don't have these problems with your feet. But, you know, a podiatrist, a physiotherapist who will give you some exercises and the when you go to the shoe shop, you know, these are all the questions that you can ask them about pronation. And, you know, people go in there and they think that they pronate one way or the other because they have this in their mind. That this is what they do. And they may not do it at all. And, you know, the best thing you can probably get is a neutral shoe. Um, if you have a neutral foot that can, you know, you're fairly flexible with what you can do and the choice of shoe that you can wear. Well, uh, one website that uh, I've come upon in, in this uh, journey that you've described here of getting your foot to actually correct itself. And I completely take on board what you're saying there, that if you go for an orthotic, you're you're not actually telling your foot anything else. You're just kind of putting an obstruction in the path of where your foot wants to go rather than trying to retrain it. Well, born to run, B-O-R-N-T-R-U-N dot com has a couple of things that really struck me as interesting and helpful on this. And some of it is just like a wooden balance board that you can make at home that kind of teaches you as you say, some boring uh, exercises that can help strengthen those tiny, tiny little muscles that are in there that will allow you to get a, a cleaner foot strike and a return without that pronation that Sonia mentions there. But again, we're all learning more. If you know something better than us on this, ping it through. Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com is where all messages go. And over on patreon.com, we have uh, some great running episodes. If you haven't heard them yet with people like Dervil O'Rourke, and uh, you can hear the entire back catalogue of Irishman Abroad episodes. Perfect if you're training for a long distance race. There's a, an absolute bank and archive of interviews all available there for free once you sign up for the price of a cup of coffee every month. And you'll also be supporting this show and allowing it to continue into the future. Sonia, it's been a, been a great chat, covered an awful lot. Uh, we've gone way over time, but that's because there was so much to get through. What would you say to people who are taking part in our event this Saturday, December 19th, the Irishman Running Abroad 5K? Uh, you mentioned to me don't do what I did. Don't go out too fast here. Is is that seem to be the big problem? People get excited. Um, I think so. Yeah. And, you know, particularly if you're lining up on a start line, you know, with a big crowd of people, it's very hard to hold yourself back hmm. because everybody else is going fast as well. So it's a lot easier to be more controlled, you know, if you're doing it yourself or with one or two people and you're kind of setting a pace to go with. So I think, you know, it's always a much nicer feeling to be able to finish strong and to come home really strong and even to cross the finish line and think oh I could have went harder you know mm. and then well you can do that the next time but you know I think you really want to set yourself a realistic target and work out a plan of how you're going to achieve that and you know don't mess it up 
in the first two minutes of the run. You know, I think everybody will start off faster than they think that they're going because it's the instinct and the adrenaline and the excitement of, you know, pressing the stopwatch and going and you're going for it. But, you know, think about saving that going for it for the last bit and make sure you have a finish line in sight. Know where the 5K is going to finish so that when you can see, you know, it's, you know, a couple of poles down the road or it's another lap of the track or whatever you're going to do it, that you can, you know, you can really kind of give it a lash then for the last bit when the finish line is in sight. You know, they say that you can lift and you can give it that extra little bit and, um, you know, enough that you'll be flattened when you cross the finish line. I'm so excited. I actually am really excited for this one, especially given the kind of rocky road that the last couple of months have been with the back injury and all the rest, but also just, you know, just to see the payoff and see the times going down has been has been miraculous. I'll be honest with you. Say, I just can't get over the the comfort that I, I'm feeling out there and uh, also just to see so many people having the same experience as a result of the podcast. So thank you again, Sonia, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Brian Connolly is on production. John Mardo's extra research team and Mikey make it all possible and Jigsaw.ie are our chosen charity partner. Thanks again, Sonia. Look, take care of yourself and uh, we'll talk next Monday. We'll talk next Monday and best of luck to everybody running this weekend. Uh, I look forward to a bit of banter on the uh, on the chat yeah. over the weekend. And a quick reminder that you know the idea of the of the run is to spell out jigsaw with your run. So how you do it, do it in such a way that you spell out one of the letters of jigsaw, and I'll piece them all together, and we'll make a something beautiful with the collage of it. So even if that's just on your cool down run, that you stop the <laughs> stop the clock and do that cool down run in the shape of a J I G S A W, that'll look great, and that'll be a, a great way of drawing some more attention to Jigsaw.ie. But Sonia, legend as always, such a fun chat. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Bye.
Is everything all right and love? 